Hello everybody and welcome to This Game Where with me, Ashley. And me, Chris. Sound like you were rapping then. Ye- yep. Did I? What <laughs> rap do you listen to? Slow rap. Slap. Hello everybody and welcome to This Game Where. I understand. You listen to Ant and Deck singing Let's Get Ready to Rumble. Or like or rap, from the, rap from that's, the 60s. That's your... That's your hip hop, isn't it? That's my hip hop. The hip hop men of choice. They're, they're hippity hop. Anton Deck. <laughs> were they called Anton Deck? They were called PJ and Duncan, weren't they? They were, yeah. I mean, all of this is very tonally correct for today's episode, just so you know. Okay. And also, I'm just going to say so, that, you know, anyone outside of the UK are going to be thinking, you know, who, who's PJ and Duncan? Who's Anton Deck? I was going to attempt to did, make an accent outside, not to. Did Let's Get Ready to Rumble not go. You know, big in the US or I anything. I doubt it. I'm so surprised. It's actually, I, I think personally, the um, the spirit of that song is actually probably quite good, but the song in execution's not. The spirit. It's I think, get let's ready get rumble. ready to rumble. Let's get ready to rumble. Get ready. Get steady. And rumble. Everybody rumble. That bit's good. That's good. That's Top-notch 90s fare. I guess it's stirring in the same way that We Will Rock You is. Uh, I don't think it's stirring in the same way, no. Oh. I think I think you're really reaching to try and meet me in the middle of the bridge. Uh, and try, you've gone way too far. You're in the water. To equate Queen to Anton Deck. Yeah, I feel, so, I feel dirty. I feel bad. Sorry, everybody. We'll finish it there. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Right, Quan, what's the game? Let's move on from this awful chat. It is a it is a nineties it is is nineties through and through this game, which is why Anton Deck's very certainly that era of Anton Deck is very uh pertinent. Because it is this game where your first task is to literally pull yourself together, collecting parts of your body to make the task of traversing the latter obstacle strewn levels slightly easier. And it's nineties through and through. I certainly equate this to 90s. I, for some reason, I can't. I've I've still not put my finger on through my research. I equate it to 90s toy and Saturday morning cartoons culture. Certainly, I understand the toy stuff, but not the Saturday morning cartoons. Having having looked into it, what is it? I don't know. Nope, it is the Incredible Crash Test Dummies. In fact, oh. I think it's the Incredible Crash. I think it's the Incredible Crash Dummies, the game. But at some point, the toys were known as the Incredible Crash Test Dummies. That was a cartoon, wasn't there? I thought there was a cartoon. Yeah. This is what I've tried to rack my brains and, and the internet uh, for. Because I thought there was a Saturday morning cartoon that was hand-drawn animation. But no matter how much I look, I can't find it. What I have found is a very early, uh, I think around 1993, Crash Test Dummies mini film that was made for fox kids and it was 3d like it was computer generated imagery but i don't remember watching that if i did probably did at some point but what i seem to think is that there was a, a kid's cartoon but i sure, can't find hide nor hair sure there was a cartoon of it there was a reboot of it in 2004 as well and it it showed so i would have been by night by 2004 i'd have been 16 so i wasn't watching crash test dummies on oh, shit. fox you were. kids or whatever I was watching other things. I probably if um, if Noah's Island, if that had cropped up on TV, I would have I would have stopped and watched that at sixteen years old. Poisky, poisky. Not thought about that for twenty years. 
Noah's Island and Animals of Farthing Wood. I just sat down and watched that. I just sit down and watch those now. I think they're top quality, top notch. Animals of Farthing Wood uh, is on Amazon Prime, I think. It's had a bit of resurgence amongst the Ute. Not surprised. It's wholesome and lovely. Uh, crash Test Dummies, before I've got a really sad story to tell you about Crash Test Dummies, and you've triggered me, I've not thought about this story for about 30 odd years as well. Someone stole your toys, didn't they? Not, f- n- n- sort no, but something to do with merch. Um, can we just sort of uh, query or question why it was that whoever created Crash Test Dummies as a concept, you know, the Crash Test Dummies, these, these things that go in cars to test them, why did someone think that was an appropriate thing for children to kind of, you know, let's create a, a brand around that? Like it's, it's We've got someone to question. We should have asked them if they'd like to come and talk to us. David McDonald and Jim Byrne were the people who designed the action figures because it was it was toys first, this. It it was um So, okay, so bit of bit of background. The Incredible Crash Dummies, which is the product line that led to the game on the NES, which is what we're going to be talking about, they were created in the early 1990s. And they were based on, quite directly, they were based on the 1980s public service advertising campaigns of the uh, for, in America. But I seem to remember these cropping up on our television as well during cartoon time. I think they did as well. Unless this is yeah. just another episode where we're, we're misremembering and whatever. Mandalering everything. Yeah, maybe. Mandalering left, but right, no, I, I seem I remember I remember those PSAs on our television screens as well. It very directly came out of that. So these these PSAs were put out in the late 80s, early 90s, and David McDonald and Jim Byrne thought, hmm, that's a perfect that's that's a perfect idea for some kids' toys. That's a perfect idea for some action figures. Let's <laughs> let's give them a daily reminder in the moments that they're trying to have fun of um <laughs> of how easy belts. it is to be dismembered and maimed. In a, in a crash, in a car crash. That is perfect. That's perfect. The the toys. Did you ever have any of the toys? Uh, my childminder, not the, the childminder with the NES, but a childminder I had prior to that. The one um, that you had to go to after the problems? Yeah, that one. Uh, no, the first childminder I went to when I was um, like five or six, uh, her son had a couple of the toys. I remember finding them quite disturbing. I don't remember them being disturbing. I, I had some. I, I didn't often get um, action figures because they were often quite expensive. I remember having, I remember buying with some birthday money a transforming t- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle and he transformed, he was really big and bulky, he wasn't sleek at all, but he turned into a fire engine. It was like a transformer turtle, like a mashup of the two and he turned right. into a fire engine. Um, and that was probably the most expensive and, in, and most intricately designed toy certainly action figure I ever had, but I seem to think that most of mine, at least, most of my action figures were second-hand, and probably my brother's as well, because we we weren't the most uh, well-off household. But I, had, I, I do a, remember having... I had a, a set of Ghostbusters figures that we got from a car boot sale, and uh, my, I found them in the roof uh, quite recently. There's actually, a, yeah. in the place I live, there's a... Um, not junk shop. There's like a, a secondhand antique shop, and they had a set of uh, the the Ecto One, which I've also got in the roof, and the, and this mm. exact set of figures that I got from a car boot sale for cheap when I was about six or seven. Oh. Had a full set. The Ecto One, these five figures selling for eighty quid, and yeah, uh, the one in my roof. I mean, it's it's a lot more. 
yellowed he's obviously cleaned it up and i was telling him about how i've got the, the, the firehouse that it fits into and he was like so oh let, let me know if you want to sell it i'll buy it off you 200 quid and i said it's not for sale mate and he was not happy 200 pound for your toys yep not parting with uh, it love normally without even seeing them sight yeah. unseen he just said 200 quid my goodness yep. some people but even so, that sounds like they probably are worth a lot more than that. Probably Ex- exactly. So the the point mm. I'm getting at is, you know, you're saying these figures you got second hand. Firstly, nothing to be ashamed of. Secondly, they might actually be worse than it nowadays. Who knows? Oh no, I wasn't. I wasn't being ashamed of oh, it. Okay. I was just saying that um, these these are things that uh, wouldn't necessarily have made it into our household mm-hmm. because of money. And what I do remember though is getting some incredible Crash Dummies toys for Christmas one year, and they were they were new. So they these were some of the only I well not some of the only I I'm talking like I was very um, under treated or whatever you know like I I actually I feel like I had a lot of toys and a lot of very good toys I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on some tangents just because it's flashing memories of great toys that I had Did you ever play the game It was a it was a board game but not a board game but it was called Flying Pirates. What right? So, flying pirates was one of my favourite things, and I I looked it up several times and couldn't find it, and then found one on eBay. But it was selling for stupid money as well because they don't make it. They only they only made like one or two runs of it in the early nineties. But flying pirates is a game where you get two um two pirate ships and they're put onto a balance thing like a seesaw type thing, and then each player two player game each player gets a cannon and some little plastic. Uh, soft plastic pirates who have scabbards but the scabbards are hooked like they've got hooks on their hands and their their feet and you have to fire your pirates out of the cannon over your ship to land in the rigging of the other player and the more pirates you get in their rigging the more their their rigging will then fall down and if you get the rigging to fall down you win the game it was it was amazing it was perfect 90s toy and um, I loved that one. That was a, a Christmas present one year. My brother and I also one year we got a like a four in one table, and it was like table football, table tennis, table hockey, and a table, which was <laughs> definitely my favourite use of it. Um, but the game? table hockey table. on that, the table hockey on that on that thing was absolutely amazing. Like it, it felt like you were in the arcade. It was so so well polished or whatever it is so and and the thing moved perfectly and me and my brother table football not getting the way for the, the other games no because you flip things you, you, that was how these four in one table things work oh, so right. you, your table football would be in a recess in the inside then your table would just be the flat surface that came on top and you put that on top of your table football oh, table then if you flipped that upside down you had the recess for the table hockey uh, it was great but obviously the ta- the table would double up for your table tennis as well. Obviously. They'd really thought it through. It was great. So those those are two of my favourite things that we ever had. Um, the Crash Test Dummies were part of the, you know, there was a plethora. We had Lego and uh, just lots of action figures, all, all of different types. My brother, I remember, had Ghostbusters squeezy toys for the bath, like a little Michelin... A, a little stave puffed marshmallow man that if you squeezed him and then let go underwater he'd fill up with water and then you could yeah. squeeze him to to push water out of his belly button rigged full of uh, all sorts of bacteria <clears throat> and stuff those bath toys that they're, they're some of like the most germ germy things you can find in the house i wouldn't worry i wasn't worried about that and i still wouldn't worry about it it's probably actually good for building a, a 
strong immune system. I was I was going out and doing all the children's stuff in the wide world. Like we we collected up some worms and made a worm farm. Uh, one time I I was only talking about that with my nana a few years uh, a few weeks ago, and and we would go out and collect butterfly butterflies and ladybirds and all sorts and make mud pie type things and yeah i'm not really worried i once went down so there's a place near where near where well there's a place near lincoln called beckside do you know beckside nope you know netlam though yeah so there's a place this is where we i grew up i grew up on an estate on the outskirts of lincoln and netlam was just down the road and there was a place called beckside it was a new housing estate and there was the beck running through it which was a little streamlet and me and some friends used to go down there and play around there all the time on our bikes and stuff. And one day I decided I was going to make um, Beck soup. And Beck I soup. took what was what was a new new thing at the time. It was tango. Do you remember tango? I do. Well, remember you do remember tango because it exists. But at one point in the 90s, it was brand new. And they came in these dark black, uh, long, seemingly long uh, plastic um, bottles. T- black couldn't see through them and i filled it up with water from the back i put some i put all the things that from the back that you could find like um re, bits of a reed and some algae in there and i tried to catch some tadpoles and pop them in there lovely i was young i put the lid on i put it in the back of my um wardrobe and forgot about it oh, and God. then it was found it was found literal months later by my mum um so yeah i wasn't really worrying about how mucky bath took oh. bath toys that were being used in the bath the smell yeah it was fun it was it was good days good good old days um all of this is the backdrop to to incredible crash dummies and saturday morning cartoons in general toys toys were a big part of our life and incredible crash dummies were some of them i remember them being really exciting I've looked them up in preparation for this episode. They look the most boring things you could ever... The most bland yeah. action figures possible. Well, um, before we launch back into Crash Test Dummies then, um, and obviously we're now at kind of approaching the 15-minute mark and we've not actually talked about... We've done nostalgia, cool. which is cool. Um, so my Crash Test Dummies story is of a similar kind of year go for nostalgia. Uh, so do you remember the early 90s when uh, Penny sticker albums were all the rage? Yep. And everyone did, did the footballs, the, the football ones. I did. I did those ones. I didn't like them. Well, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't do those ones because I, I I didn't like football. I don't like football. I can't stand it. And uh, people in, in the playground in like year two, year three were, were doing the swapsies. I'll trade you a, I trade you three normals for a shiny. Remember that? I, I saw, I, I, yes. I, 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 I fucking did Peter K. Remember that? Remember that happened? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I was I was into it at all, and uh, so but I wanted to get in on kind of the the, the sticker of action. So, uh, I, I oh, can't... you rocked up with your incredible crash dummies. So no, no, no it's worse sticker. than that. So I, I can't remember how it came about, but my dad decided to take pity on me, and he wanted to sort of help me out. So he obviously he went off to the news agent, and he looked at all the all the different sticker albums you could get, and he decided to find me the crash test dummy one out of uh, all the ones could have chosen. So I, so it was it was out of pity pity from my dad that i got this album mm. and i went into school with this album hey look guys i've got the crash test dummies album and obviously no one had stickers for them i just got laughed i remember feeling i'm getting the feeling now like kind of like almost pity for my dad because he was trying to help and just it was so misguided and um yeah that's what i mean triggering well that 
is an indictment of our society, if ever I've heard one, because it's that those those um those sticker albums, which I believe still exist, they are consumerism and capitalism oh, gone mad. Yeah, and and also trying to uh, it's a, it's an attempt to try and make not to normalize for children gambling the idea of buying. Well, it is a bit of loot box. Yeah, loot boxes in disguise, isn't it? But uh, of just buying things, just buying lots of things for the sake of it. buying lots of things and getting that endorphin rush, yeah. and then the the little pit of of misery when you don't get the stickers you want, yeah, but, and but... so going and buying some more to make you more to make you happy again. It's that it's that horrible cycle that they want you to be in as an adult. But it feels good, doesn't it? When you get the one you want, it feels bloody good. Yeah, yeah. So many people land in that position as adults as well. It's um, I wonder I wonder how many unfulfilled adults who try and buy their way to happiness actually started off on football stickers I would imagine or, a or the American equivalent of baseball cards yeah. or, or whatever they have there baseball cards though interestingly at least baseball cards have a level of collectability and um, intergenerational longevity because we don't like a sticker book once a sticker book's got a sticker in even just one sticker it's useless. It's worthless. Yeah, and it's just and it, the like whole thing is some just stickers ephemera. from '96. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely are. Whereas, you know, the American obsession with with baseball cards, they've got a level of they've got a level of staying power. And a 1960s baseball card, if it's the right one, is probably worth a lot. Whereas, I don't imagine anyone's clamouring for uh, Panini's 1995 rendition of Eric Cantona. I would imagine, shiny. obviously we're, we're talking, we aren't into football. I would imagine that completed or part completed sticker albums from, I say, Panini I would imagine they go for quite a bit on eBay or like packs of stickers or something. I, I would not be surprised if there's a, a certain demographic of, uh, okay. of people that clamour for them. Well, give me a moment. Yeah, yeah let's find out. Let's find out live. I'd say I'd say 1995 is perhaps the heyday of football Peak. stickers. Peak panini. But they were panini, weren't they? That's the the, the sandwich is just. They a... were panini. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I kept panini. I kept saying it and kept sort of doubting myself that I'm misremembering. Merlin's Premier League 95 football sticker album. Oh, Merlin! This is Merlin, so maybe it's Merlin and Panini. Certainly, Panini's in the game. Um. How much? 100 oh. percent complete. Uh, that full thing, the full shebang. Yes, I'm saying fifty quid. Thirty-one. I mean, that's so. If you think how much money, too much. For first off, yes. If you think how much money it would have cost to complete that album. Yeah, I mean, in terms of inflation, it's gonna. It wouldn't have been as much as it would be now, but uh, yeah, I know exactly. I what can. You're saying. I would. I would put money on it costing. A hundred pounds minimum, just as yeah. ballpark. Yeah. To even in money, even in nineteen ninety five money, a hundred pounds, I think, is a low estimate. And th- so the the returns just not there. A Euro ninety six complete Panini sticker book, thirty five pounds. Uh, nineteen eighty five, which you think I'd have even more. Mm, you know. Yeah. What's that called? Uh, je ne sais quoi. Yeah, even more. Vavavoom. Sixteen pounds. It ends in twenty-eight minutes. They're getting sixteen pounds. Those people. Also, for these people that are buying stuff off eBay, they're buying a complete sticker album. They're not going through that that um, highs and lows of 
you know, actually collecting. Yeah, the indoctrination process. They're not going through the the capitalist indoctrination process. Yeah. They're just getting the. Yeah, I can only imagine, though, that they are trying to recapture something that when that sticker album arrives, is is then they're not going to feel it. They're just not going to feel that. They're going to flick through the sticker album. Okay, cool. And then stick it on the shelf. And then that's that. Job done. Yeah, I hope not. I've never really understood collections. Um,. Certainly passive ones like stickers or pogs or whatever. I've never understood them, but we are way far away from where we should be. Yeah, we're sort of... It's all tangential. It's all related. Incredible Crash Dummies. It is, genuinely. We've slagged off football sticker collectors. We've, you know, I've I've felt pity for my dad that I've not felt for 30 years. Yeah, let's go back into Crash Test Dummies. Yeah. The... So the game... And that's what we're here to talk about. The game was developed by Flying Edge, which was a division of Acclaim. Double K. Um, it was released in 1993, and it was a tie-in, as I've said, to the fairly popular uh, line of action figures that um, I was a uh, I was a partaker of, and not the TV show, and apparently not the TV show mm. because the TV show didn't seeming seem to exist in the way that I think it did. So why was there a sticker album? Yeah, because of the toys. I don't know, but that so this is where I should say. That television show might have existed and my research might have just been lacking. But from what I can find out, there was a TV special called The Incredible Crash Dummies that was aired. It was half hour long, aired in 1993 on Fox Kids. Um, And it was CGI, which I don't remember this thing being that I've got in my head. Um, And it followed a dummy named Ted. Great. Who's... who's, he, He was... He was getting a new body that was indestructible, but they they had a mix up and some evil dummy guys. They had to go and get Ted's body back. Body snatches, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Uh, and then later in two thousand and four, there was a series of animated shorts that were commissioned by Fox for their kids' um, TV channel, which I thought was called Fox Kids, but they're calling Four Kids Entertainment, and that aired 2004 onwards so i would have been 16 and definitely not even remotely interested in in watching it so was it early 90s? so i don't know where there was a tv show it, yeah early 90s we've got the action figures there's obviously a tv show of games some capacity. there's the game there's the sticker album like this, this is quite a big deal isn't it for something as, I, as I said is such a bizarre property they're definitely trying to push it but yeah. that was the same for because what people know in in the 90s is that if you can get kids to buy if you can get kids to uh ask their parents to buy them shit then you're gonna make a lot of money yeah and it doesn't matter how shit the shit is kids if you tell them if you tell the kids that it's the next big thing they'll go for it most uh, a lot of the time there's lots and lots of failures but there's lots and lots of situations where plastic clutter as as made its way into millions of homes up and down this land and every other land and incredible crash dummies was a perfect example of that happening as at least in my view the dummies themselves the toys themselves looked awful like just bland as all hell i honestly they did yeah they they really i'm gonna have to let one second i'm finding you some pictures all hell damning indictment they are. Let me show you. Uh, yeah, those are utterly horrendous, like nightmare fuel. Yeah. 
nightmare fuel, but in a bland, in the blandest way. It's like the, you know, when the mannequins came to life in Doctor Who. I was literally going to just say that. I was going to be my next sentence. I was going to say that's yeah. what they reminded me of. Yeah. So um, it's almost like they went, well, you know, if we do crash test dummies, we don't have to spend the money on decorations or paint because they're just bland, uncolored dummies. And that's what they went for, and it was very successful for for a short period of time in the nineties, and they made a lot of money out of it. So well done then. Uh, the game. You asked me where the game came from. Yeah. The game. The game was a second-hand stonker from. Well, I'd say stonker, but we'll we'll circle back around to that. A second-hand uh, star from Ashby Sales down the high street in Lincoln, the place where they which I've talked about before. Blanket. Well, I remember them having like a, a duvet cover draped over a some a, a table, uh, trying to make it look like photographic or, or photogenic. And they had their games lined up on there, just next to the window. Yeah, it was it was a strange little place oh, that you had of, to walk to, to to like it was a bit of a walk for a young'un. And out of all the games they had on sale there, what what made you err towards Crash Test Dummies, or was it the price? Well, possibly, probably the price, because it was in my bracket of cheap. And also, probably the fact that they were, to some extent, ubiquitous in my little kiddie world. Because there were the toys, and I had the toys, and I'd engaged with them on various different levels. I thought on television as well, but apparently not, or maybe not. So yeah, that's how it happened. The game itself is a 27-level corker. 27 levels if you think about how some of the games that we've played in the past from this period they they could sometimes only be three or four levels or or not very many anyway and this this was a 27 level corker is it a platformer yeah it's a platformer yes it's a platformer and in the first so the only level i really remember is the first level whereby you you start off or at least is how i remember it you start off as a crash test dummy who has a wheel instead of legs and you have to go you have to navigate this level and find his limbs and as you find his limbs he becomes more capable because he gets legs that he can use to walk and so on um i might again i might be misremembering that but i've tried to see as little of this game as possible um because i just i i want the i want the response to be as pure as possible it sounds it sounds like a very confusing message for young ones as well if you got wheels instead of legs, you, you can't you can't do stuff. I suppose I it hadn't really occurred to me, but this man yeah. is a unicycle, and we're not there. I don't think I don't think we're sending people out on unicycles for able purposes. Are no, we? not to aware of. So maybe that's how they drew drew the line, or or maybe they didn't make any distinction. Maybe they just. Oh, maybe I'm misremembering it. That Who is a genuine knows? possibility. Because I do seem to think that you had to go out and collect your limbs. Um, that might be wrong. So we'll find out about that. Um, the game was... Uh, they made their best go at developing it uh, around... Or designing it around the concept of being crash test dummies. So there were levels whereby you would you would have to jump off the top of a building. And and I remember I do remember this one actually because it was one of those things where you were falling down from the top to the bottom and you had to sort of 
move left to right to hit obstacles or avoid obstacles, like collect collectibles and avoid obstacles. Classic. So it was a downward, a down, yeah, downward drop sort of uh, level. Um, and that you also in later levels that I don't think I got to, you would end up riding on on the back of a missile that again presumably would explode by the, when when the level finished, and that would land you back in the same predicament of being delimbed, and you'd have to collect your limbs. Um, so the game was always riffing on this idea of them being destructible dummies. The it was also made so that here here we go. This might warm you warm you towards it, warm you up towards it, because it was made by three people. Okay, that's impressive. And one of them was the programmer, one of them was the mu- music person, and then one of them was the graphics designer. So um, they each one of each of those people took. The, that one role and and ran with it now in my in my research i have gone and had a little look i just wanted to confirm that that was the case so i looked it up on maybe games as i usually do and it showed three people and sometimes it's just an incomplete credit so went and found it on youtube uh the end credits just to make sure it's just three people and in the process i found out that the musician who i believe is jeff I'm gonna lo- just look up his name. Just one second. Okay. Oh, yeah, his name's his name's Jeff Follin, the musician that that worked on this, and he was on something like the music in this. If it if the last few minutes of music for the credits are anything to go by, well, Jeff Follin has pulled pulled it out, pulled out all the stops. He's knocked it out of the park because I was really enjoying the music. If okay. nothing else, promising. Yeah, I thought so. Um. I don't remember how it controls, but I do remember finding it difficult. I don't know whether those two things are related, uh, but again, we'll find out. Yeah, I suspect the fact that you can remember the first level in quite a lot of detail and maybe a sort of a bit between levels, I guess, as well, but yeah. not really much else makes me think that uh, you know, quite challenging. Yeah, the games were the only games, so it came out across a number of platforms. Um, Game Boy Advance, Mass System, NES, I think on the SNES as well. Game Boy Advance? Sorry, the Game Boy. That's that's just short. Uh, like I, that's a short circuit in my head. It yeah. always goes Game Boy Advance. Um, came out on the Game Boy, the Mass System, the NES, which was what what I had and what we're going to play, and the SNES, possibly the Mega Drive. I'm not really sure, but um, it came out across those platforms. They never tried to repeat this foible. They never tried to repeat this folly of, of incredible Crash Dummies games. The, this was the only raft of them that, I, at least as far as I'm aware they released and on the youtube video that you watch for the credits how long was that playthrough oh that was just the credits so oh, someone's, someone's taken... made a video of just the credits for the game just, just the end Good. yeah and it all Good. it is is one single one single screen that's got three names on it and their roles Madness. um the game though the all 27 levels and i think this is a bit of a feat the game can be completed in about half an hour oh nice. so it's another one of those where it's um, easy to play and hard to master, or possibly even hard to play and hard to master. Uh, but the people that do can do it in 30 minutes. And that's about everything I've got to say about about Incredible Crash Dummies, because it's one of those games that was largely about diversifying the portfolio of a brand, which is not a very romantic um, idea, and often results in what I think we're going to experience, which is a slightly shoddy, slightly clunky platforming game that that isn't all that imaginative um, and doesn't really offer something fun. 
Let's go into more frustrating. Well, this is what I was going to say. So, I, I, these are all of the expectations that I, the, the bar can't be lower. Frankly, (laughs) I'm not expecting it to be great. I do remember experiencing frustration, and I'm just hoping that this is one of those that we can come back in the second half and say, "Huh, there's a big surprise." Well, that's. You used the phrase earlier, uh, stonker, and uh, I've never thought of it before, so I'm going to coin a phrase. Uh, should we see if it's a stinker or a stonker? Yeah. Okay, the best thing about the game is still the music. I'll say that much. And that's as fair. a starter. Because the music the the music is is outstanding. I really liked the music. It was somebody that was probably given a shoestring budget and just went stuff you and your shoestring budget. I'm going to make I'm going to make a symphony. And symphony they did. Make. It was that good. Well done Jeff Follin. Yeah, well, I've, I've ticked off one of the two positive things I managed to glean from this game because I think this game is firing out of a car at high speed into a wall. Yep. It's it, it, it's not good. Okay. I feel better about it than I did going in. Mm. So there we go. We've landed in different places. So it's better than you remembered. Off. It's better than I remembered, yeah. And I've, rem- I've misremembered quite a few bits. The the idea of collecting your limbs so that you could walk on your legs. Well, I I think I've conflated the two play styles because the first level and then alternating levels throughout, you play as a new crash test dummy that has a wheel for it has a wheel instead of legs, and then the second level you play a regular crash test dummy that has all four limbs and walks around. And they they control very differently, oh, and actually yes. the control scheme for the purple guy in level two, and and then again the even levels going forward, he controls the much with, better. With legs, to clarify. Yeah, he he controls far better than the guy on wheels. The guy on wheels is an absolute nightmare. I I hated trying to play as him. The guy with legs, the purple guy. He was cool. He had good precision, and I I enjoyed the, how nippy he was and how precise he was, especially in comparison to what had come before and what comes after. Um, so playing through level two, which is a sewers level, which is par for the course on the NES. All games on the NES have a sewers level. I don't know why. In Tetris, All of them. Sewer level. Yep. Um, the sewer level was actually quite enjoyable to play through. Mm. Quite well designed. There was always this downward trajectory to to the to your movement, left to right, down. Yeah, I, I mean that that's the positive I've got is the level design. I think the levels were very well created, very tight. Like the the first level, you were going from top to bottom, going up, but it kind of it snaked, so you went across bottom to top. Yeah, yeah and then you went up a bit, and then you went across again. But then there was there were uh, pits, so you could fall down to the area you previously discovered, which was very frustrating. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, because of how imprecise the character you're playing as was. But I think it it made it feel like a 
a, a clearly defined area and then the sewers it went as Ashton did go top to bottom but there was there was winding within that which again I, I did quite like the idea they they went far too far with the idea of drop it uh, of sending you backwards in the level as a punishment yeah. for not doing something right because there was the I, there was the bits where you could drop down to a lower point in the level and have to work your way back up which were were and generally as a game choice are frustrating um there was also this mechanic whereby if you got hit by a, a an enemy i couldn't quite work out whether it's if you got hit in midair or something like that then you would get driven very far like a, a good distance backwards uh through the level so you then have to repeat what you'd already done and i thought that was a shocking decision i really didn't like it. i don't like how much emphasis is put on making you repeat things hmm. really didn't like that yeah i don't understand and that's what... as a punishment as well yeah that's what i was going to say i don't understand what the purpose of that is on the player to to punish them mm. for something that they've done and then make them have yeah. to redo it and, pres- and sometimes do the same mistake again just repeat it over and over the, the bit i struggled yeah. most with, with the pits was where there was some pits where you're controlling the guy with one wheel who did this little when you when you landed that was a little bounce that he had which i think was quite a nice effect because of the wheel but it also made it very imprecise to control he tried to jump across these pits and there were tires at the edge of the pits the tires that jumped up and down so then you have to time your jump to kind of get past these tires and if the hitbox of the tire got just got you just at the right point at the wrong point sorry you then fell down and then had to climb back up to that point and start it again and there were probably yeah. six or seven of these these pits and that was just so frustrating yeah, yep, yeah. There, there is nothing. There's think, nothing good to say about the tire guy personally. I don't think. I think as the well, tire guy levels. I don't think were as fun as the other ones, and I think that the imprecision of his uh, movement it, it just killed him for it, me. He's also quite sluggish as well, which again made the timing of it all yeah. quite difficult because you press left and you respond like just a, a split second too late, if that makes sense. Mm. And, and yeah. the momentum, he built up momentum and, and sometimes just rolled into things. I also found that when I was being respawned by him, which happened uh, with him, which happened frequently, I, I can't remember now whether I just wasn't being respawned with the purple guy or whether he his respawns were better. But um, with Wheelsy guy, he respawned in moments of danger so i'd respawn and there'd be I, i'd be invincible for three seconds but i'd be underneath one of those wheels that was bouncing up and down and if you got hit so by good. it you, you got damage yeah i was respawning underneath one which just didn't make sense to me i yeah i wasn't impressed by that either it makes you realize those things that in platformers sonic and mario for example you know, you got the checkpoints that those points being defined make it really easy to to understand what's going on in the level that this is the point to which yeah. i will reappear so a, a case in point kind of linked to that really was this invincibility that i found in, in the second level and the character yeah. then became where your legs pop off I, I can't remember to be honest i only realized the character was invincible because they were were they flashing or did they go slightly see-through or something they were flashing and they were spinning around with their legs out in the to the side right i didn't even know so they looked that. like a kura 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 in uh, right. ship yeah and it made me realize that the music in sonic and mario that plays to signify to the player you are currently invincible if something has happened mm. there was none of that here because the music just carried on playing as normal so 
Yeah. If you hadn't been paying particularly close attention to the character, as indeed it seems I wasn't, I only realized I was invincible because I happened to touch an enemy because of how the hitboxes are, are, are framed. Mm. And the enemy then sprang off the screen. Oh, I'm clearly invincible at this point. Like the game, all these, all these little things kind of build together to make the game kind of player unfriendly, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was a, yeah, there were a few just dropped balls here. And I sort of think the enemies um, are quite unfair. That the actual you can't even destroy the enemies, can you? The, your only weapon is this puff of gas that comes out and will momentarily stunt. It's incorrect. Yeah, I did tell you about you could switch with select to your oil can. Yeah, you did. And fire oil at them, and that would actually destroy them outright. But if you uh, run out of oil, okay. you've got this fallback um, air puff thing. I assume it's like pressurized air or something, yeah. and it stuns them. For a couple of seconds. Enough time for you to get past them, but then they then spring back into mm. life. And so I was in situations where I was having enemies attack me from front and behind, which, again, was frustrating. Yeah. Um, and I think, generally, that is the that is the flavor that everybody's going to uh, that most people will be left with if they play the, when they play this game for the first time i think i had we, we've had this before where you've really gelled with a an old mega drive game that i've not really had much to do with in the past and you've you've sort of level you've gone through level after level after level and i've found it really frustrating and annoying and I think that's where we are with this, because I've got some history with it, however long ago it was. It clearly gave me an edge that you didn't have, because I got through a few levels, um, and, you, and you were sort of stuck on the first or second. Oh, yes. And um, that's always going to provide frustration. But I do think that, that is the, that's the experience I had. So the only reason that I didn't have it now is because I had it t- 25 or so years ago. And... I think it could have been avoided. There were games, there were games that didn't have this level of frustration in them. Mario and Sonic are the perfect examples. And we, we, I think sometimes it's easy to forget that the reason that Mario and Sonic were successful, or, or one of the reasons, is because they had a, a certain level of polish and con- and considered design that made them accessible for a number of people without making them frustrating, but also having enough challenge to to give the give the player that wanted or needed it or met it um said challenge and that's not an easy thing to do and there are a lot of there are a lot of broken games a lot of games that litter the um litter the path that Mario and Sonic trod just that just weren't able to do the same things or, or do runs. them as well yeah they also runs that's right sonic uh, even though i have a bone with Sonic and the and the general design choices that that were implemented there. I still think that when you compare this, when you compare it to something on this sort of level, which is as as we need to remind ourselves, maybe a tie in to a toy franchise that was not all that popular in and of itself, which therefore meant it probably had a very small budget and was worked on. And that's the reason it was worked on by three people. Yeah, yeah. Um. When you compare them, there is no contest. Sonic, Sonic is Sonic becomes it becomes apparent why Sonic was successful yeah. if compared to if compared to the Incredible Crash Dummies. And when you can pick them up, where, when at the time you could probably pick them up for a similar amount of money, second hand at least, um, 
yeah, it wasn't really. A, it was a no-brainer, wasn't it? No, not at all. Mm. It's sometimes nice. It's almost like a palate cleanser to see something like this. As much as I feel like I might maligned it a little bit too much in the first half, because I, I was very definitely saying that I thought it was going to be a load of pile, uh, a big pile of poop. I think it was much better than that, but it's not something that I'd want to play for fun in the future. No, never go back to it. Not, no, probably not. No, never. There we go then. Case closed. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I don't know what the other versions are like. I don't know what the other versions are like. They might be better. They might be worse. I, I have no idea. The SNES version. Uh, particularly that that might well have had more investment more money and more people i don't know who knows and um, we probably will never know because i'm not interested in hopefully looking. not no i no no not at all no interest whatsoever well thank you for giving it a go well you know it's in the spirit of things isn't it to give it a go yeah and i can you know i can sleep tonight saying well at least i've i've played that game yeah, what an achievement. Yeah, exactly. Are you going to wrap us up? Oh, go on then. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, if you've enjoyed us, remember to come and join us on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and like, share, subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you for listening. No. Thank you for joining us and for getting this far. Absolutely. It genuinely is appreciated, um, especially for a game like this. If you're still listening, then you are dedicated. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, have a good one. Bye. Ta-ta.